Welcome to Seek Go Create. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry. And we like to ask some tough questions and ask things that possibly we don't hear or discuss in other places. Today we'll be doing that. Hospitality is going to be a big topic and it's not going to be light and fluffy. This is going to be deep. So uh, we're going to have fun with it. I'll get to the guest in just a moment. Before I do, I just want to remind everyone that's listening in that you're listening either via YouTube or on the podcast, or some of you might be listening in on some of the social channels. I appreciate you greatly. And I don't think it's called subscribe anymore. I think it's follow on some of the platforms. I know I know Apple just changed up their platform and others. So I just ask if you're listening in, do whatever it says on your platform. Follow, subscribe, or whatever it is, just so you get all of our episodes and can listen in on a regular basis. We appreciate that. And uh, I know that, uh, that I hope that you will be nourished by all that we do and all that we talk about. So uh, glad you're here today. We have Sue Donaldson as our guest. And Sue does lots of things, but I'm just going to keep this brief and say she's a speaker, author, and a creator of an organization ministry called Welcome Heart. Sue, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Thanks so much for having me, Tim. You're a delight. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. And actually, this is so cool we're having this conversation because you and I interact in masterminds and some groups with other podcasters, but we probably haven't been able to have the type of conversation we're going to have today. Let me get started by asking my favorite question, which is, what do you do? When someone asks what you do, what do you tell them? I tell them I'm a podcaster, make account, living in a legacy life. Um, I'm a people collector, a gatherer. Uh, either on the front porch, backyard, or uh, at my table. Um, I'm a speaker. I like to speak about spiritual growth and um, connecting with God. And mentoring is a big part of my life. I do it sort of an, as an overflow. Last Sunday, I had two 20-somethings, these two girls. One gal saw me downtown. She said, Sue, will you... Um, I need, I thought of you, actually, she called me Mrs. Donaldson because she was a friend of my daughter's in high school. And she said, I thought of you the other day because I needed a recipe. She's a newlywed, newly pregnant. And so I said, oh, I can give you a recipe. And then later I saw her again. I said, hey, Abby, do you want me, would you just like to come over and we'll like, write? we'll like cook five things and we'll invite Josie. Another gal, her mother died when she was 16. So she's sort of adopted me. And so we actually got a date on the calendar when, can I talk about this now? You asked me what I did. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Go. love to do. And so these two gals came over and it was a very big week for me. It was the day that my hundredth podcast dropped. And of course it was Sunday. That was the day they could do it. So after church, I had laid out 10 recipes on my island and all the ingredients for all of them. And I told them, bring two deli chickens, you know, the already cooked chickens from Costco because they're bigger. One did it. One had a baby sister chicken and then two pounds of hamburger. And then I did all the rest. And we cooked for four and a half hours. We made 10 things, but of course we talked the whole time because that's what we do. And they were saying things like, Oh, you're giving me permission not to be perfect. And I thought, what's perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not a gourmet. I'm not Martha Stewart. I'm not Pinterest, but what I am is willing to dig in with people, especially I love the younger women and they think I'm funny more than my own kids think I'm funny. And they, um, they are not necessarily um, in the mainstream of Christianity. So what a delight to spend those hours. They came, they, they, I took pictures of them. I'll, I'll put them on somewhere so you can see them, but holding these piles of Tupperwares and Ziploc bags and recipes and, um, they said their husbands would be so proud of them. So that was the one thing I did last Sunday. And then la and then la and then the next weekend I drove up to Pleasanton, California. I'm from the central coast of California. And uh, I got to speak to a women's group at their church. This is the first time they got to be together because of COVID, you know. But they were inside, so they wore masks, but I didn't uh, because I was speaking. And I got to speak on um, a connecting with God. You know, it's called retreating with God. And then I got to dismiss them for a guided quiet time all over the church campus. And then they came back in and we talked about the friendship connection, which is kind of what we're talking about today. So I speak, I write, I connect, I cook. I always say, well, I can't save somebody, but I can cook. So, and even if you can't cook, I can give you recipes. That's what I do. 
So, so here's what's cool about that. I taken a few notes here and I, there, there's a lot of things I heard. There's a lot of things I heard that I relate to and possibly different ones would. And then some things I'm like going, I can't relate cooking and recipes. Just they, fortunately I married way up the food chain. And so my wife is an excellent cook. She handles all that. If it were just me, I'd eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm trying to be healthier now, but something healthier and all of that. But I I heard the word connect or a, a derivative or a variation of the word connect multiple times in those, in that paragraph that you just discussed. And to me, the word connection, connect, I, I don't want to say it's a lost art, but I think it's been under attack, <laughs> might be a better way of saying it, to kind of get, to kind of get, you know, spiritual. And, you know, you brought up some things that we don't want to, I don't mind getting controversial, but I, I've always, I've been bothered the last few years by covering up our faces, not for the health or anything like that reasons necessarily, but... I connect with people via their smiles, their face, their eyes. And, and it's been really difficult to connect to people over the last few years. I'm going to go serious right out of the gate here. How tough has it been for Sue, who I could tell you are, you get energy from people, you get energy from connecting. And, uh, you know, 18, 24 months ago, whenever people listen in on this, we were told to stay in our houses, wear masks, don't get out around people. What did that do for you personally? I, you know, I've been asked that question before because people know that I am a, a raging extrovert, um, <laughs> but it didn't it didn't affect me that much. Only uh, I mean, I think it probably did subtly that I didn't realize and it would come out in other ways because I have a front porch and because I live in California, I still had people over. I just had no more than two on my porch besides me at a time. Cause it's not, a, it's not like a Southern porch. It's just a, a small porch. And mm-hmm. um, so I still had people over where it hurt was at the holidays where I have had upwards of 50 people on Christmas Eve for a soup and bread potluck for specifically for people who do not have immediate family or extended family in the area, because we don't. And I wanted my kids raised with a crowd and my husband has a job where he can't just leave. And so we couldn't go away for the holidays for years. So we invited people in. So when that didn't happen last year, like Thanksgiving, we had nine instead of 30. And we sat in the backyard. And um, and then Christmas Eve soup potluck was just the immediate people who normally come. We just didn't couldn't invite the families and families. So we made it work. Um, we got real lazy being on the couch, watching church and I'm older. So I had to wait for my vaccine and my husband's a physician. So he insisted on it. And, um, so when I went back to church, it was like, I felt like a celebrity, even though no one knew who I was. I just went around going, I'm so happy to be here, you know, because we still meet in someone's back 40 because mm-hmm. our church at the meet in the same time uh, the shutdown happened they were renovating so there's no pews in there now and no organ nothing on the renovate so all that mm-hmm. how did it affect me the good part I, I look for good parts there were silver linings all over the place two of my adult children came home for extended period of time that would have never happened to him never I felt like my ministry I don't like to call it my ministry my message that I like to give people, could be accentuated a little bit more because people need to know that this life is not not all there is. I mean, we wake up in the morning, we don't think today I'm going to die, but people did die and people were, Mm -hmm. were, were hearing about it. You know, even if it's fake news, whatever, they were hearing about things or they were lives were touched by that. And I want people, myself included, to be more of the aware of the brevity of life. And um, because I think that's where God comes in and he goes, that's right. I've been trying to tell you this for years and years. This earth is not your home. What's that old uh, spiritual, right? So in that sense, and then also I had, I have wine nights where I hope that doesn't offend your listeners, but um, I didn't grow up with alcohol, but somehow I found out God wasn't against it as long as I followed his rules about that. And so I have wine nights and it's a mix of um, women who don't go to church and women who do. And they, and I do conversation starts. So we did that in the backyard. 
And I had too many, so I put a picture of it on Instagram and my daughter got really angry at me because I had too many people over and they weren't wearing masks because that's where she's at, you know? And I had to honor her. And it's hard to drink wine with a mask on, believe me. I'm, and I, I'm a whiskey drinker or a wine drinker. And <laughs> you, you gotta, I actually thought about you putting a straw through the mask right and all that. <laughs> Oh, we're not making thinking, we are not making light of the situation. We're just trying to have fun with it, right? <laughs> women were so desperate to come over. I've mm. had three since that time, and I had one inside last month. And two women walked in and left their wine. People branched and walked right out, and they said, "You know, we have elderly mothers. We didn't know it was going to be indoors," and they left. Um, but it didn't hurt my feelings. They're friends. They do what they need to do, right? But I had this gal who calls wine night her Bible study. She's an atheist. She, some reason she loves me. We met out shopping and she goes, Sue invited me to all these things, the soup potluck, lunch, but I never came. But I said, so it's wine that you like, right? And she goes, I just love you. That's what she said last time she came. And then she brings a neighbor that I don't know at all. Okay. And we do conversation starters. So the whole point is, it's affected me in that I've had to be very intentional about when to do it, where to do it, who to invite, rather than let's invite the whole world. I can't do that. So yeah, right. it's affected me. But I haven't been depressed because I still make a way. Yeah. What about speaking? You know, uh, that that whole industry. And I'm, I'm right now coordinating with a client that I'm flying to Atlanta next week. And we thought we would be able to all meet together and now we're kind of busting it up and going hybrid virtual some together and just a lot of things going on. And I've got other clients that have tried to do events. I mean, for the longest events stopped, did you go virtual? Did you do virtual things? I didn't do it immediately. A group that had had me in person asked mm. if I would please do a talk online because there it was a mom's group in Camarillo. It's about three hours south. And they said they had used one of their women in their church to do a little devotional. So I said, okay. So I did the prompter thingamajiggy on that and recorded it. Mm. I don't care for it because like you, we like to see people's faces. Mm. And um, and I pre-recorded it. And, if, and she warned me. She goes, the, about half the women will not watch it before mm. they get together. They'll just want to get together. And they had box lunches or dinners or whatever. Uh, catered and they met outside in the church courtyard and I thought well that was okay they paid me this about the same I personally didn't like it but then they asked me again and so then I said well this time how about since it's only about 20 minutes and so I usually speak about 45 minutes because I tell lots of stories you can probably tell that um and I said I shortened it down and I said I will send you a 20 22 minute talk and then how about you just watch it there it's kind of like going mm -hmm. to a video bible study and mm -hmm. then i always provide small group questions because i think women well men too but i work with women mainly that they we under we um comprehend we internalize the message from this holy spirit if we talk about it right away or like we you hear someone they go well i don't cook or i i haven't had a quiet time since i was in college or what does she mean by that they need to talk about it so i always provide uh, small group facilitator questions. So they did it right then. It's like, I couldn't even get back in there talking. So finally I go, you know, my turn. And so I was on for like maybe an hour and a half and maybe two hours. And then it was free for all. They could ask me questions. And I was right there. That was just like one or two times, right, Tim? Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of those youngsters who said, okay, I'm going to do a virtual conference. I didn't do that. I just mm -hmm. waited and started. I decided to write a book since I, you know, I don't have grandchildren. And so, um, but I kept getting interrupted by other things I was doing. So I didn't do a lot of virtual. And I'm praising the Lord that I do have more events scheduled. I could use a lot more in 2020. But I'm just grateful for the ones I have. Yeah, and and I'm with you. I mean, I actually have been virtual as far as my coaching and some things I did. But we kind of had to pivot. And it was kind of cool initially. And then it yeah. started becoming fatiguing. And, yeah. and I, I love being able to see people's faces. I mean, one of the things that's really bothersome is when they're doing for those that are listening to this, we're also doing video. You might be watching it on YouTube or one of the social channels. Uh, Sue and I are at least able to see each other. 
which helps. Right. But boy, it would be so awesome if we were around a conference table and sitting across from each other and could chat and all of that. And mm-hmm. I, I, I actually really noticed at times myself because I don't, I don't think I'd call myself a raging extrovert. I love people. I love being around people. But there were times that. I wanted to just kind of retreat back into just a quiet time. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I had never noticed that about myself in all of my years. And, uh, I, and I'm just, and I, and the reason I ask that question a lot, Sue, and I know you probably are in tune with other people quite a bit is because I want to know what culture is doing. I want to know what groups are doing. And, uh, and so I, I love the thought of it. I love that you're out speaking. I love that we're having events again. It mm-hmm. is somewhat concerning to me that some of these events are, uh, you know, I don't see us packing out large venues no. anytime soon. And mm-hmm. like I'm dealing with right now, we're recording this in the fall of, of uh, 2021 and looking to 2022. I'm, I've got two, maybe three events planning that I'm helping coordinate for clients. And we are probably looking at at least two thirds of the people being virtual. Oh yeah. And and I was really hoping to have close to a hundred percent of the people in the room because mm-hmm. it just helps me do what I do and I know you're the same way. So Yeah, um, my last one, uh excuse me, in two thousand twenty twenty was last October in Chino and they, it's a huge church and they had like fifty women instead of hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. But yes. they asked me to come back and do their retreat in San Diego in March. So hopefully things will be better my husband thinks they will but yeah and if and if he's a doctor maybe he can project what's going on and all that so a big theme of who you are and 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 the message that you have like I, i use the word message instead of ministry i may ask more details on why you like calling it message instead of ministry later but is the word hospitality and i want to address something for the cynic right out of the gate here or at least early on There are, we have an audience that's leaders, business people, entrepreneurs. There are some people that when they, and hopefully they're still with us, but when they hear the word hospitality, they kind of try to push it aside and say, oh, that's kind of something light, something fluffy. I think even mentioned it early Mm -hmm. on. This is not fluffy conversation. And I don't believe it is. However, my personality style is one that could do that. But tell someone why hospitality is important. Sue, and and talk to a broad audience, maybe not just women, but you know the men mm-hmm. that's sitting here going, "Oh my gosh, oh my. they're going to be talking. They're going to be talking about recipes and inviting mm-hmm. people over and and chit chatting." So, why is hospitality important? There are so many reasons, but the main one, and the reason I started writing and talking about it twenty five years ago, is that God invited us. Mm-hmm. God is the ultimate host and maybe some of your listeners don't know god or don't know that he really did the pursuing uh religion is us pursuing god christianity is god pursuing us and so he pursued us at creation he followed up with redemption and there'll be the great marriage supper at the lamb with a lot of food that i will not have to cook at the very end of time and so god invited you tim and your family and me and my family and the whole world um, and there's so many verses about come unto me and uh, John 3, 16 and all these things. And so the fact is that God invited first. So if you, for a couple of things, if you want to become more like God, that's kind of a message that you get when you're a new Christian. You want to be like Jesus. Invite someone over. You're being like God because God has the first inviting heart. So that is a very high motivation when I have to change the sheets one more time. Okay, mm. that's that motivates me to keep going. We all need motivation, the big why. That's the big why. And then someone may not know about God, but they're willing to come over and have banana bread and a cup of coffee with you. And so they may never even know that God is pursuing them until we pursue them. And because I got upset with uh, something happening in our church the other day because they were going to do a deadline as to when women could, um, and I wasn't in charge, so I didn't say much, but uh, we, there was going to be a deadline as to the, when the women could sign up for Bible study. And I, I talked to my husband, I called my mentor, I'm so mad because God does not, well, he has a deadline, 
but he hasn't shown it to us. So in the meantime, there are no deadlines to come into God. We open our door, even in COVID. And if that means going somewhere where we're sitting outside in the rain with an umbrella and God has called us to get to know that person, that is hospitality. And it's a, it's a mindset, Tim. I get so upset with people who go, sounds like I have a temper. I usually don't. But I remember this girl going, oh, um, that's just you, Sue. And I go, no, 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 no. It, number one, it's a commandment. Be hospitable without complaining. So obviously, right? Be hospitable without grumbling. That's scripture. And we have this great opportunity to show the world how much God loves them through, um, you know, a donut. It doesn't have to be something homemade. And so, um, so the fact is, it's not just a personality thing. It's not because I crave people in my home. It's because God has invited the world to himself. And we don't have to go to seminary to do that. We don't have to lead a Bible study. I've written four books. Who cares? The whole, the whole idea is that the, the most simplistic bit of opening and inviting is maybe the main thing. My neighbors now are all coming to Bible study. Why? Because they came to a Christmas dessert, you know, 10 years in a row. There's a lot of sewing. Is it sewing? Seeding, whatever, sprinkling the seed. A lot of donuts before anything ever. Oh, I think I'm lonely. I think my neighbor texted me two weeks ago after her wine night. I need to connect with God. What she needs is more than that, maybe. But I said, I can do that part. I'm not a therapist. I'm not the coach. Come on over. And we've met two Fridays in a row. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is in the in the culture and world that we're in today, in all likelihood, and we don't know, I think God can use a lot of things. That neighbor is probably not going to reach out to one of her 450 connections on Facebook and ask that question. She's going to reach out to Sue that she's been in her home a few times. It's interesting uh, that that we're having this conversation. Just yesterday, I was in Titus. And I know people don't spend a lot of time in Titus, but uh, I think it's First Timothy and Titus. Paul was giving, in, the Apostle Paul, for those that may not know, was giving instructions to Timothy and to Titus about how to deal with some leadership issues within the setting that they were in. And these were home churches, remember? These were not mega churches. Yeah. These were home mm-hmm. churches. And I just I just grabbed my Bible as you were talking. And because one of the scriptures I had was uh, Titus 1.8, where he's telling what bishops or overseers need to be. And he says, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'll just read real quick. Not given to wine, even though we're okay with wine. I think it's too much wine is the thing. I'm okay <laughs> yeah, with wine, exactly. just so you know. Uh, I grew up in the <laughs> Southern su- Southern Baptist part of the U.S., which just made me want it more, just so you know. Um, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable. Yeah, a lover of what contract. is good. So, yeah, so it is actually an instruction for leadership. Oh, sure. It is an instruction for those that are put in a position. And, and I want to go ahead and say this right up front here. It's not a male-female thing either. Exactly. It is it is for everyone and for anyone listening in that's the leader of a company, a business, large organization, small. Uh, this is vital. W- one of the things, Sue, that I I try to define this as, and I'm going to just ask it to you, kind of throw it as a hopefully a softball or it could be a fast pitch curveball. Hopefully it's not, is that I've had these theories of people over the years that there are some people that under stress during difficult times, they resort to thinking about themselves more than other people. And what I heard you describe just a second ago when you were talking about hospitality is someone who thinks of others as much, if not more than themselves. Is that accurate? Do you, have you observed that? You know, if someone tells you, oh, hospitality is just you, Sue, you're hospital, you've mm-hmm. got the gene. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, and I don't want to go, the, I don't want to use the word selfish, but I was using the word of thinking of self versus thinking of others. Does that relate at all to this? Well, I think it relates for any of God's commandments, because he says the main thing is to love him and love others. And mm-hmm. uh, the way my husband loves others is fixing their cars, interestingly enough, 
and helping them with, you know, lending them tools and building fences and then taking out their gallbladder or whatever. But, um, but he is really a really good listener and listening is one of the best aspects of hospitality. And um, when someone feels heard, they feel loved. And who is the great lover? God himself. And he calls us to himself to pour out our hearts to him. And so when a friend comes over and she's angry at this, or she's heard about this, or she's worried about her children, that's hospitality when I keep my mouth shut and just receive it and then turn her to God. What I talked about last weekend to these women, you know, the paralytic. You know, he was laying on a stretcher and there was such a crowd and they couldn't get to Jesus. So he was being hosted by somebody in a house, right? But four strangers, we don't even know if they knew each other or the paralytic. I told the women they were probably engineers, but they picked this guy up and they dug a hole in the roof of some stranger's house. I mean, who does that? They did it and magically enough, Right, at, they lowered this guy right at the feet of Jesus. Now they were hoping he would be healed, but Jesus had bigger things in mind. He said, "Your sins are forgiven because I've seen your faith." They were probably going, "Wait, we didn't come for that. We came for healing, and then he healed them." So a couple things: God wants a lot bigger things than we ask him for, and then also, um, we don't save people; we take them to the feet of Jesus. I can't heal my girlfriend. I can't heal anybody, but I can take them to the healer and hospitality in its biggest, wonderful and smallest form is taking people to the feet of Jesus. Mm. I love the visual of that, the, the, the paralyzed man that's brought down through the roof. My wife and I have been watching The Chosen from time to time. We don't watch a lot of TV or anything. And it was really interesting. The first three or four episodes I was not really enjoying them because I'm I'm a Bible guy. I've studied the Bible. When I watch things mm-hmm. like that, I, I, I'm not being overly critical. Maybe I am that I'm looking at it. I don't think that's in Scripture. Do they have a basis for that? You know, and yeah. I think they're taking some liberties here. And boy, they better not make as if they better not yeah. make my Jesus look bad. You know, <laughs> and, um, uh, so kind of kind of silly, even though I could watch some other show and I'm not that critical with it. But I was not drawn in to the chosen until they depict the way they depicted that scene of the paralytic being lowered down. It was like the third or fourth episode. I kept wanting to just bail on it. My wife said, no, let's keep watching it. You know, what else do we have to do? We live in an RV. We're, we're hanging out at night. Let's just watch the chosen while we're in bed. The way they did that scene, I was sitting wherever I was and I had tears coming down because mm. they did such a good job of bringing about what was going on. And it was sort of the start. They they depicted it as the start of his ministry. There were Pharisees present. There were a crowd. Some of the original disciples were there, and they were being impacted by this. And they did have these people, these engineers, tearing apart the roof and lowering someone down. Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. did just a very good job of it. So I love that you brought that up because there's so so much to that. And And it was a very emotional scene. For me to watch with, and I'm not, you could probably guess this, I'm not a super emotional guy. And so to sit there with tears streaming down was was pretty impactful mm. for me. Um, I, I've always wondered, what were you going to say? You, you want to say I was going to say, well, my, my dad uh, was an engineer. And it made uh-huh. me think of a great, great story. Uh, I was raised with hospitality, but I am number four of five kids. Mm. And when I speak on the hospitality workshop, I... I give 17 reasons why we are not hospitable. And actually it's in an article or in the blog, the Joyful Life magazine blog, you'll find that 17 reasons why we don't and one reason why we should. But uh, when I first started teaching on it, I just thought, I thought of all these reasons and they were from me. They weren't, you know, they were from other people as well. And I I interviewed my mom because she was this big hospitality queen, we called her. And um, my dad would just sort of go along with it, even though he was an engineer. And, um, and I said, so mom, Tom, tell me, how come you're so hospitable? I was interviewing her. And she goes, well, I, I wasn't always. Well, see, I was four of five kids. So by the time I came along, that's all we knew, right? She goes, yeah, when your dad and I were first married, they had two boys, they lived in New Jersey. 
and your dad invited the whole deacon board over for co- pie and coffee. And I go, yeah, well, like, what's the big deal? And she said, well, I could make pie. I didn't know how to make coffee, which is kind of the opposite nowadays, right? So she goes, I had this newfangled coffee pot on top of my stove. And after it perked, the top was vacuum top, and I couldn't get the top off. And I go, well, and she goes, but I'd already cut all the slices of pie and had put on the ice cream on each piece. And she goes, I had to wait 30 minutes for it to cool off before I could serve everything. And she goes, I was mortified. And I go, mom, I'm mortified just listening to you. I said, why didn't you just serve the pie and coffee? I mean, the pie and ice cream and say that the coffee was the real dessert. She goes, well, I would do that now. And I said, they were probably all engineers. They would have come in and tried to, you know, not make something explode, but to fix it. That's what they do. She goes, I would do that now, Sue, but I didn't have the self-assurance to show my failings. And isn't that the truth? When we're insecure in who we are and not not got counting on God's confidence, we aren't afraid to show our failings. And so I just thought, well, so what, what did you do then? Well, I started practicing it because she needed friends. And so she and my aunt would have people over for Sunday dinner every Sunday, either at my aunt's for roast beef in a crock pot or two chickens on time bake in this big blue roaster uh, at our house. So she said, I practiced with a friend. My, my favorite friend was her sister-in-law. And then I just realized how important it was. So you, when you practice, it's like practicing medicine, you get better, but it's a little less dangerous when you practice hospitality. But the whole idea is that my dad realized how great it was too. And so when people would come over, he would get people to play cards or um, uh, ping pong. And then my mom would be with the ladies in the kitchen. So it's not just a woman thing. My dad was every bit a part, a part of that. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's like a practical thing that just popped in my head. Uh, my wife and I have been in business for 30 plus years, as long as we've been together. And one of the things that we have recognized before we enter into, let's just say more of a long-term relationship, either I'm doing business with someone, possibly she is, we are pretty adamant now that like, let's just say, I think your husband's name's Mark, that, that, uh, you know, we think we might be doing a project with you or ministry or something like that. We're pretty adamant that the four of us need to sit down and have a meal together and mm-hmm. talk to each other that, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, glory might be working on a project with Sue. It's like, Hey, listen, let's get the husbands together and whatever, because you learn so much about people. People have to mm-hmm. let their guard down. People can't, uh, this is, sounds a little bit negative, but I think you get it. You can't fool, you can't fool your way, fool other people over the course of getting around with your spouse and things like that. So I love, I love all point. of that. Yeah. You brought up something though, that's really interesting. You, you said, first of all, I want to circle back to the 17 reasons in just a moment. I want you to give us a couple of them, but you you brought up something. I wrote down the word expectations related to self-image and other people. I think you brought it up with your mother. And, and I, I wonder how our expectations keep us from just being hospitable or kind or interacting with people also our self, you mentioned self image or self awareness. I, I, I wrote down self image, you know, how we, we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I think many times that keeps people from just going ahead and saying, you know what, it's okay if the ice cream's melted on top of the pie and they don't mm-hmm. have coffee people probably aren't thinking about it that much. And truthfully, they should be thankful that they've got some pie and some melted ice cream. So mm-hmm. what, what, is, what expectations? It seems to me like you've worked this hospitality muscle so much that you're probably very good at it, number one, but also you don't get bogged down with a lot of the minutia and details. Would that be a correct assumption? Yeah, but that's because I'm older and I've done it for years and I was raised with imperfect hospitality. So mm. if I were raised with a Pinterest, we were raised in a very wealthy area, Palos Verdes Estates, but my parents were the generation of the depression and my mom didn't put on airs, didn't know how to. So we were, we were like, we didn't have a maid, but our neighbors did, things like that. So I... I think that when we have an image of what hospitality should be, it's 
stops us, it hinders us from doing it the way that God wants us to do it. And that is really the difference between hospitality and entertaining, which I have a whole talk about, but I'll just give you one little point, is that when you, in, in relation to self-confidence and self-image, when I'm confident that this one recipe that I can do very well, and maybe there's only one, so that's one of my tips, just learn one thing. My girlfriend is a great cook, but she goes, just learn how to make a good biscuit. That will save any meal. And it has. Like when I turned the chicken purple because I used red wine instead of white wine. Oh, well, I was just used what I had in my cupboard. So if you have a good biscuit or you have one thing that you're confident about and you're self-confident in that, guess what, Tim? Our eyes and our focus are on the guests. Mm. And the difference between hospitality and entertaining is that entertaining, you're focusing on yourself. And whenever we focus on ourselves, we're either proud or we're insecure. And mm. either one means that we can't really serve this person that God has graciously brought to our table. So when I'm, but I still get uptight. I'm telling you, I'm not perfect. Okay. I'll, I'll be like, it's terrible to be yelling at your family. Get, the, I told you to get those extra chairs out of the garage. You know, it kind of ruins the whole spiritual part, you know? <laughs> so you just have to learn to relax and make your list. And then if there's just one person or six people coming or 25 people coming, you look at that person and you serve them with the love of Jesus because that's hospitality, not entertainment. Yeah. And the word, when you mentioned entertainment, the word impress, you know, so many times in our culture, we want to impress other people. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people do that with their home or what they're trying to do or what they're trying to prepare. And I, the, the word that I, heard when you were talking about the other was just you want to inspire and uh i use the word nourish before we hit record so uh Mm -hmm. that's that's really cool you said 17 reasons why people do not can you give us a couple can you just share and then we'll sure i think i think we can have some resources with people we'll we'll point them in the direction where they can get the rest of them but give a few of them because i've i'm intrigued to hear this uh well the first one i sort of alluded to you were not raised in a hospitable home And they'll just, I've had people say, I wasn't raised that way. Therefore, I will not do it. I'm not comfortable doing it. And then I tell them the story of my mother and how I call it breaking the chain of ungrace. I think that's from Philip Yancey, where you've been raised a way that didn't, wasn't filled with grace, but you break the chain for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your children, for your own sake. So you're not raised that way is a big one. Um, uh, that you're afraid that your husband will embarrass you, like they don't talk or they talk too much. Really. And I've had my husband just sort of float up the stairs and I'll have to train him. Honey, you have to say goodnight. Because he gets up at 4.30, so he goes, well, I don't want to bother me. I go, honey, you need to say. <laughs> so there's a little bit of training involved. And then um, I don't like to cook. I like it. So they think food is synonymous with hospitality. Tim, it is not. Um, my, my brother, he's, he was, he's a very gregarious former pastor. And he said, Sue, I've learned to offer a glass of water. And I said, well, that's very biblical, Steve. (laughs) And, uh, because he doesn't drink coffee, he doesn't think about that. And he goes, often that's all they want. But, but when I teach on this, we just have to be so surrendered to God that we know, does this person want a glass of water or do they just want me to shut up and let them talk to me for an hour? Do they need a bowl of soup? Do they need something delivered to their porch? Especially during COVID, I did a lot of porch activity. And, um, or do they need actually to spend the night? Are we willing to do that to a stranger? I mean, the definition of hospitality biblically is to welcome strangers. Another reason is um, they're afraid of making a mess like of the food, that's one. But, you know, we live across the street from Trader Joe's and Costco's around the um, uh, around the corner. But that's cost money. I grew up, you know, we made everything because it costs more money. And so another reason is uh, I don't have the money. Another reason is I'm too tired. I work full time. You know, these are all legit reasons. And if I had them all on the same day, I would never open my door. But the main reason is what we've already talked about, that we introduce them to the welcoming heart of God. And then you, when the doorbell rings, I always say, just say Philippians, whatever that word verse is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you walk very slowly so that you can pray that several times before you open. And then as soon yeah, as it good. is, your emphasis, emphasis is on them. Yeah, and thanks for doing that. You know, something that, a visual that just came to me 
my grandfather, I don't know if hospitable would be the word, but boy, he interacted with people a lot. And he was a pretty simple man, grew up in Northeast Mississippi, not educated very much, uh, worked for the fire department for a little while, but worked as a guard. And I vividly remember, Sue, I mean, I guess th this is a, I'm going to pose it in the form of a question in just a moment, but, but he would... Uh, take me, and I was probably toddler, just a little bit older than that, and we would go to the little local, we called it the old folks home, that's kind of the, the word for it, uh, and and also the local hospital, and it was two buildings with one hallway down the middle with rooms on either side. They were somewhat connected in this small town in Mississippi, and we would go and just visit with people, and mm -hmm. so it wasn't necessarily in their home, even though my grandmother had a lot of people over for coffee at times. But we would go and that you could tell it's probably been 50 plus years that I still vividly remember that. And I don't know if we did it once or if we did it 25 times. It seems like we did it a lot. But what does hospitality mean going out as opposed to having people come in? Is that a different word? Am I am I commingling things that shouldn't commingle? Because no, I, I, li I like it. Yeah. Good. Well, and so, and so I, I vividly remember that. And I just remember we would walk up and down this hallway and he would look at the sign on the door and he'd go, huh, I recognize that name. And he would go walking into the room. We didn't know who they were. And he goes, Hey, are you related to the such and such, you know, family from so-and-so? And they go, no, he goes, cause we might be related and all of this. And we would sit down and talk to people at the old folks home or the hospital for hours, <laughs> just, wow. just sitting there. And so I, I think the thing that I got from that, Sue, maybe this is my question, is that in my eyes at that time, here was a man that was so focused on other people, mm. not himself. Right. And to me, that seems to be the core of the message that you share. Would I be correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the core, the core of the message is service. And to the, to that deny yourself. And when you talked, you asked earlier, does it mean that we think more of others than ourselves? He, your grandfather was. He was not getting chores done at home. He was serving these strangers. So that to me is hospitality too. I'd like to add a ca caveat though. Some people say, well, I take food to others when they have a baby or when they're sick. So I'm off the hook. I don't have to open my home. And I think there's a huge difference between those, everything else, and actually having someone in your home. It's kind of like what you intimated when you say you sit down with your wife and another couple. There is a certain, um, what's the word, intimacy that comes when they step over the threshold of your front door. And now they're like insiders. And they see the dust, the cobwebs, at least they do in my house. And, um, and the imperfection or maybe how my kids are not behaving and I have to apologize for them and they all go, oh, it doesn't matter. We have kids, you know? And so it brings that intimacy because if they thought I was perfect, they would never want to share their vulnerabilities with me. So it's actually a gift that we give others to let them see who we are. When we're first married, we, I invited, um, hundred people over for a chocolate open house at Christmas uh, because we needed to return a lot of uh, invitations for my husband's work. And so we had those kind of people and then we had church people and neighbors. And it was interesting, Mark, you know, he's so shy. He's such an extreme introvert. He was like walking the neighbors upstairs, seeing all the rooms and everything because they'd never been inside our house. It's not a great house. It was just, they hadn't been inside and everybody brought chocolate. And so I didn't have to cook a lot. And, um, and I had a two month old baby. And so she was asleep in the cradle in the front room and people kept bumping into it. Cause it was, we had 50 cotton. We didn't have hundred. We only had 50, but that was a lot. And, um, and then the next year was another point, but my husband goes, uh, could we not do that this year? <laughs> I said, why? He's, he says, I'm so stressed. Work was really stressful. And it was. And I said, okay, he goes, can you just do a woman thing and see, I give him chores for the women things, but that way he doesn't have to talk. So we haven't done it since, but there was that cool thing about these people coming in your home 
and um, and and just being friendly. Just be friendly and have some more chocolate. Yeah, and I think what it does, it causes them to disconnect from their. I'm going to use a few strong words, their rut, their, their comfort zone and kind of stretch themselves and go into another environment. Like, you know, just meeting with people for a period of time. You know, one of the things you brought up earlier, you talked about how Mark is such a great listener. Mm -hmm. I think, I think we're so listen, listening starved in our current society that if someone can get in an environment where someone just listens to them, there's a lot of power in that. You, you know, we, I guess it's almost we want them to disconnect from whatever their norm is to connect in some other ways. And that, that word connect, it really brings another question to mind. You seem to be someone, I've actually been on Zoom calls with you, and you seem to be one, like if there's 12 people in a room probably, but or 12 people on a video call, that you have the ability to... I'm not going to say read minds, but maybe understand some things that might be going through other people's minds. I'll say it that way. And so let's just say you've got six, eight, 10, 12 people over. How is there a skill there? Is it intuitive? Is it something to just over years? Because my guess is if you if Sue has 12 people over, she's going to know if Sally's kind of not quite connecting with the rest of the group and do something to bring Sally into the fold. And how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, um, a couple of things. First, you pray before they come over so that I call it your hospitality antenna. I use that where you adjust it every day to wonder who you're supposed to invite into your life but also to be sensitive. There are people who have been in my home that are not my favorite people. I think God has given, we are, have natural affinities to certain people, but those are the ones that perhaps need your focus the most. So you have to get over yourself. Uh, if it's a very large crowd, I'll read it, read the room kind of, and I'll assign one of my kids to go talk to them if they are not talking to anybody. So it's like a little assignment, plus it's a growth modeling for my children like your grandfather did for you um but i think it just comes with asking god to guide you and then um conversation starters have been incredibly useful and a blessing um long before i wrote my conversation starters i started doing this because my brother said he was at this party and he goes sue it was kind of boring and it wasn't my house but i just said okay everybody at the table like 12 people he goes Everybody, why don't you share um, where you lived when you were 10 and what were you doing? And well, everybody loves to talk about themselves. And it's a very non-invasive question. It was a, what I call a surface question. So they all shared. And I, I go, what'd you do next? He goes, well, then I said, well, what were you doing and where did you live when you were 20? And he goes, but Sue, I wouldn't have done the next question if the first one hadn't been such a hit. Plus, I was not the host. I didn't want to be taken over my host party. But he goes, what came from that, that there was a young woman there that he didn't particularly like. And when she shared where she lived, what she was doing when she was 28, I think he did it three times, he really got sympathy for her and compassion. He understood her, right? But then after the dinner party, he went right over to her and had a really great conversation. Mm-hmm. So I would say, um, even before I did these wine nights and everything, I would have these women over for um, coffee. You know, I'd invite 15 because you maybe get seven. And half would be Christians, half not. Didn't matter. They all had small children. They brought them with them. And once everybody sat down, because everybody's chatting, I'd say, okay, let me get your attention. And I always laugh because, you know, I taught high school English. I can get your attention. And I said, would you just tell me why you moved? Tell us a little bit who you are. Why did you move to San Luis Obispo? Because it's hard to live here uh, professionally in every other way. And so it's always unique to know why are you here? And... um, how has, if they're all married, I'll say, how has your husband been a blessing to you the last six months? Well, see, that's a deeper question. Because what if they haven't been a blessing? But everybody shares something positive. Because I'll make a joke about that. I know you have to say, well, he flosses regularly. That's what I say. You know, not a lot of dental bills for Mark Donaldson. He's such a regular flosser. You know, so they laugh, right? But the idea is, is that what's so fun, besides we get to know each other, like a woman sitting right next to me, I didn't know her from my own church. 
And she and I had said something about my ministry or my business. And she goes, tell me about your business afterwards. Well, it turned out she's a graphic designer. She helped me for a year after that. So the networking, you network. This network was incredible. But my next door neighbor said, I always feel so good being around your friends. Well, she didn't know the Lord. I said, I, you know, that's the Holy Spirit. And we need to let him loose at our table. Yeah, and you you can do that by yourself, but boy, it sure does help when you give a nourishing environment where people are coming in. I love the conversation starters, and you've got a book. Is it like 252 or how many? you got a bunch of conversation starters. 252 is the print version. You get that on Amazon, or you can go to yeah. my shop on welcomeheart.com. There is a printable that has 202. The is kind of fun because it's 8.5 by 11, and you can, my brother even... Um, can't believe he bought my printable. I got my conversation starters. He's such a talker. But his wife's extreme introvert. And he goes, Sue, I, we bought your printable because uh, Karen wants me to help her in the kitchen because we're having seven people we don't know for Thanksgiving. I said, okay. Yeah. And so that morning he goes, this is what we did. You know, he's texting me. I go, I'm trying to cook, Steve. Don't talk to me. And he, he cut them, strips of them, and fold them up and put them in a basket. And everybody would just pick one. So it was kind of random that way. You know, but that's kind of fun, too. But if you get the book, you can just make copies from it. But yeah, it's I, I, so worthwhile. I love that resource because I've kind of collected those over the years since like the early 90s. I've been, well, a, facilita I've been a facilitator in corporate environments. And so we're always looking for activities to get business. But it's it's not that different. That's why as I guess that's one of the big points I want to get across. We're talking about in the home. But if there's a business person sitting here, they need to be asking these questions even around the boardroom. They are great oh, yeah. questions to ask. And one of the things that I do, I play with this all the time. Anybody who follows me personally on in Facebook, I will ask questions like that because I'm testing them. Um, a recent mm -hmm. question I ask is like, what's the best car that you ever owned? Well, that's that's both a male and female question. It was interesting, kind of the responses. And mm -hmm. I've got kind of this <laughs> deposit of questions. And so I'm going to pick that up because I don't have that book. I'm going to get that list because I'm meeting with a group next week that I've got to break the ice with people from India on a virtual call, people here mm -hmm. in the U.S., half are virtual, half are in the room. And I've got to get them co-mingling and kind of break down the barriers. I, I like that icebreakers not just break the ice. I, I say that when people meet, there's like these concrete blocks or brick wall between them. And mm -hmm. our goal is to try to do things to bring that wall down, to bust that right. wall down. And the book that you've got, that that is such a great way of doing it because it just mm -hmm. is a way. And... Listen, if someone is a super introvert, all they need is to just get a couple of those under their belt and they mm -hmm. literally can exactly. talk to anyone, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And break the ice. Right. So. When I uh, wrote my Bible study, I was assigned by my mentor to meet with two women who would get something out of my Bible study. So I chose two girlfriends who were pregnant with their third. They left their kids at home and every two weeks we met at a restaurant and I wrote another chapter and showed it to them. Interesting. I learned as much from them as they learned from me. But this one gal incredibly creative huge following on instagram she's such a great designer and she goes sue i really like to prepare for company her house looks like pinterest i've been there it's so gorgeous she goes but i really don't know what to do once they come in the door and i was like <laughs> dumbfounded because that's the easiest part for me so i actually had her come and decorate my house for my daughter's open house when she graduated because i knew she loved doing that see there's different gifts but when we give them this resource, you're right. Two questions. That's all they need. Here's a question for your big board meeting. Ask them what's the best meal they've ever eaten. Mm. And they will just start salivating. Uh, what I did the last wine night, because they were all women, I did say, um, describe your biggest culinary fail or triumph. We laugh hysterically. A lot of fire and smoke in oven stories. And my <laughs> husband actually I, I didn't notice until I went to bed later that he had gotten up and slept in the side bedroom because we were outside and the noise, gales of laughter, it had nothing to do with wine. It was the storytelling. And then the, the deeper question was, um, you know, what brave thing are you going to try in the next six months? See, that's mm -hmm. a little deeper, but we've already laughed our way through loving each other. And, um, and then, you know, then the, the relationships start after that. 
So yeah, I yeah. totally think it's wonderful. Thanks for buying it. Yeah, and and the, the great thing about what you're saying is that what we're really doing is we're giving you're giving people tools to have conversations and deeper conversations than. Uh, what's the weather? Are you excited or not excited about what's going on in the world? Don't you hate the guy or love the guy that's in office or Mm -hmm. whatever? It's deeper conversations that Mm -hmm. I call them soul questions that go to people's soul, soul, their, you know, their mind, their will, their emotions and all that. So I Mm -hmm. love that. Sue, one of the things, and we're running up against some time here, but I've got a couple of things that I've got to ask you on your podcast that I listened to an episode this morning. It was excellent. Make it count living a legacy life that that word legacy is a big word mm-hmm. and and about two years ago my wife and I began discussing maybe it's because we were having grandkids and you know our kids are grown and we're just kind of starting to look to what do we do we started talking about what do we want to be in place later years from now when we're not around and I guess I just want to ask you, when you use the word legacy, define it or just talk a little bit about legacy uh, so that we understand what it means to you. Well, I'll tell you why I came up with it. I was listening to a friend of mine um, ask for prayer for his mother who was beginning to show signs of dementia. And mm. I said, so Dan, um, how old your mom? And he said, 87. And instead of going on to listen to what else he was going to say, I started thinking about myself and I thought, wow, I'm 66 at the time. In four months, I'm going to be 67. That gives me maybe 20 years of cognitive viability. Or that I could even spell cognitive viability or know what it meant. So I started interviewing friends. I had them over coffee, just normal people, and said, what are you doing now to build into eternity? That's legacy what we do to build into something that lasts. And my mentor is always telling me, I'll call and say, should I do this ministry that someone has asked me to do? She goes, well, it has to do with people or it has to do with God's word. They both last forever. That's what we build into. So see how hospitality fits into both. And so when you spend time with this board meeting next week or whenever it is, you are building into eternity when you have the mindset that I'm building into people, I'm going to show them and be God's love as much as I'm able to do in a certain circumstance, right? So that is not something we wait for after we die. And then our kids look at the will and they get the rocking chair and you get the camera and you get this. No, it's what we're doing now that will last forever. And so I just asked the same, I'll have to have you on, the same four questions as um, what is your legacy? What are you doing about it now? What have you had to overcome to do it? I don't know if you listen to Johnny Erickson's, but her legacy is that people will know that she's a woman of faith, not about all the millions of people she's helped with their disability. It was precious. Yeah, I so did listen to I that. I hope I answered I, your question. I did listen. You did. And that kind of ties into another question or two. But as we begin thinking about wrapping up here, you, uh, I think on your website or in your bio or somewhere, you, you talk about being a late bloomer. Hmm. But, and, and uh, it's interesting. We ask, I think we ask um, when we send out information to guests, is there any question that you don't want to ask? And you, I think jokingly, I can't remember if you said something about your age or your weight. I can't remember what it was, but I I don't, yeah, something like that. Anyway, which I'm not going to, but, but it's Mm -hmm. interesting. We, both of us would be mature as far as our age go. Let me just say it that way. And, and uh, we're at an age where many people are ready to stop doing everything. We'll call Mm -hmm. it retire or whatever. You, and I've been around you for maybe close to a year now, you have a lot going on. And Mm -hmm. I I don't think you're hurried or busy. You don't appear to be maybe behind the scenes, but it is, is that legacy? Is that just, you're not going to retire? You've got purpose, you've got mission? Or why does Sue continue doing what she does instead of just, relaxing i'm guessing that you know being you know having you know medicine in the family that y'all could kind of just kick back and do nothing but you're driven is it legacy i think it's legacy as i look at my children um 
I've seen I've seen that they've picked up some good things. Not I wasn't a perfect mother. And I try not to interfere with their lives because they're 32, 30, and 25. Hmm. Um, but they've seen the joy in people's faces who've come to our house. I've had my daughter say, Mom, I went to a party. I said, how was it? No one asked me any questions. Hmm. See, she's used to being, so she had to go do it. I said, well, some groups, you're going to have to be the leader in that because you know how important it is. So um, I feel I'm so privileged to be healthy enough. I'm 69 to do as much as I do. Now, when I had to go on four freeways last October to get home at midnight, I thought, Lord, how much longer do you want me to speak? But I get such great joy out of it that he says, stop arguing. You know, and if I, if I, if I don't get a lot of speaking engagements, that'll be him saying, okay, it's okay for you to slow down on this. And it's so fun to, it's so much fun to um, podcast because I can just sit and do it and, you know, wear pajamas sometimes. Though now I'm on YouTube, so I can't do that. But uh, it's a blessing. And my pastor says, you don't retire, you retread. And I think I've been retreading. But I'm not a big, I think I'm sort of a visionary, but I don't sit down and make a plan like next year, I'm going to write five books. I'm going to speak 16 places. I want to give up on occasion. And then God will bring me a tech person, you know, because that's my least favorite thing. Um, or a designer or someone who doesn't charge an arm and a leg who can help this poor person out. And all of a sudden I have four books. Well, no, it's not all of a sudden. It's a lot of work, you know, a lot of work what we do. But there's so much fun. You know, I, I have a fun life. My calendar is full. Yeah, I, I love that. I interviewed uh, someone, gosh, last week, week before, and literally the conversation, and it was, this was a pretty hard-charging business guy, not hard-charging, but he his whole mantra is he lives life fun. He's sort of a 12-year-old living in a 57-year-old body, and, <laughs> and I, I, you know, when I'm around you at times, Sue, I kind of get that impression, you know, yes, we, we are in what we'll call mature shells or bodies, but man, it's like, uh, we, we need to enjoy. And especially with all that's gone on the last few years, I think people are getting clarity about it. They need yeah. to enjoy what they're doing, enjoy other people, be hospitable. And mm -hmm. I love the message that you share. Sue, who is the I know you're available to speak. You've got books and we'll include resources, but who would be the ideal person or group that should reach out to you if they want to bring you in? Kind of help define them. I know you spread a wide net, but help define them here as we wrap up. I've got a question or two we'll finish up with. They're usually um, big enough churches who can find me there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Finan financially. <laughs> and because I've been speaking 25 years, I don't, I do charge. And so um, they could just, I would say any Christian women's event, mainly it's usually larger churches or medium to large. And sometimes they go to an event center, like a retreat center or a hotel. So, or often just the church, which is what I did last weekend. And so any, and it's just Christian women usually. I don't speak to non-church events. I've never been asked. Yeah. And you also, I think I saw somewhere, I'm similar. You have some topics that you can do, but you can also do topics that will work with a lot of different type groups, right? Yeah. And they sometimes tell me their theme and then go at it. So then I work around their theme and I wrote a brand new talk for last Saturday. I hadn't written a new talk for years because people like the ones I have. I have 15 keynotes mm -hmm. and um, eight retreat series. And I wrote, I listened to Chandler Bolt. I don't know if you've heard of him, self-publishing school. He'd be a great person on your podcast. And I listened to podcasts on how to write a book in a week. And I thought, well, I can sit still for a week. It's kind of a challenge. So I, at the end of that week, I had written a pamphlet because I'm good at articles, <laughs> but I spent the next three weeks finishing out. And that was the latest, not the latest, but the third book on um, how to mentor. It was just practical guidelines on how to do that. And then uh, a year later after that, my church said, we need a four-week Bible study teacher. We're having somebody else do the other 12, like one of those videos, like Beth Moore or somebody. And they said, will you do it? And I said, I'll do it on mentoring. So then I wrote a Bible study for it. And then someone asked me to do their retreat. So it's a different. Bible studies are different from retreats. Revamp that. And then that was canceled because of COVID. But it's ready to go. So, yeah, different topics. 
Uh, they all have to do with God and people. God and people. Excellent. And it should be very obvious to anyone listening in. And I could speak to this because I've been around her. Sue serves, she gives, she she considers what's going on with other people. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that we need right now with society. People need to know that people care about them. And I know that Sue does. Sue, where can people connect with you or where do you want to send them? And we'll include, you know, in the notes uh, how they can do that. But go ahead and let people know where they could find you. Uh, they can contact me for speaking on my website, welcomeheart.com, or um, if they want to follow me on Instagram, it's Sue Moore Donaldson. I was a late bloomer because I didn't get married till I was 35, and I have students all over the world because I taught in Brazil, and so I wanted to keep my name there so they could find me, Miss Moore. They still call me Miss Moore. And so Instagram, Sue Moore Donaldson. And also what's really fun, Tim, is on Facebook, I have a free group called Welcome Heart, Welcome Home. So they can just uh, enter in there and we talk about all things hospitality, including inspiration, why we can't do it, and recipes. That'd be welcome. I welcome them to join that. And I think you did a link just for, yeah, your podcast. And I think you did a link that we'll include in the notes just for folks that are listening in where they could go link up and get some resources, correct? Oh, totally. I saw that. Yeah. So very good. Sue, what a great conversation. And you asked as we started, are we going to talk for an hour, 15 minutes? Oh, you bet we are. You bet we we are. And we could go longer (laughs) than that. Sue, my final question, I know, you know, I asked this, we are seek, go create. I like to just kind of pin people down and say, which one of those words means more to you currently than the other two and why seek, go or create? That was hard for me, but I will go uh, with create because I want to create an atmosphere of love and acceptance and hospitality, as well as good food. Yeah, I, I love that. Sue, thank you so much. I, I so enjoyed this conversation. I know you have too if you've been listening in. And uh, if you've listened in and you thought of someone while you were listening, what a great time to share it. You know, I haven't checked it out yet, but I've heard on Apple Podcast, if you're listening on Apple, that you could actually, as you're in the podcast app, share on Apple Messenger and they could listen on Apple Messenger. So I haven't tested it myself, but if you're listening on Apple and, and at the time this is released, Apple, the new version of iOS is out there, share it with someone who needs to hear this message. I think it's a message of hospitality, but also quite the message of hope. And so share this. And if you're listening on other things, go ahead and share it too. I love when people share. That's the number one way that people listen to podcasts and other things. Thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate our listeners. We have new episodes released every Monday. And until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.